everyone, and welcome to episode 178 of the Fun with Cars Formula One podcast for coverage of the Spanish Grand Prix from Barcelona, Spain. I'm Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau. And first, I want to wish a happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And uh, we had a big family day today with uh, all the mothers involved in the family, with uh, my wife being a mother now, and my sister, and my mom, and mother-in-law, and everybody. So happy Mother's Day to all of you out there uh, with who are mothers and who have mothers. And to my mother as well. And I'd like to start with some follow-up. We got a comment on our last show from Adam Everst, who said, Thanks for another great podcast. You make my Monday morning commute much more bearable. How about a little supposition stew? Both McLaren drivers will score more points than Pastor by the end of the season. Ferrari will be on pace with Merck from Canada on, and Nico will claim that Lewis was seen messing with his brakes at Monaco. Anyways, thanks again for all you do. Well, uh, first of all, Adam, you're welcome. Um, And uh, thank you for some supposition stew. Jim, what do you think? Yeah, I like the sound of that, and uh, I like that uh, people are taking taking your claim chowder and uh, and running with it. But uh, yeah, I mean, we almost saw um, McLaren points today, but it didn't quite happen. But uh, I think I think that's an interesting one to keep an eye on, and uh, it's a good uh, kind of balance because it's you know McLaren right now are still pretty far from points, but they definitely well, seem to be on that trajectory. And Pastor Maldonado, eh, maybe not. So uh, it'll right. be interesting to see. No. It, it was fascinating to see how McLaren developed in this kind of contradictory ways. Um, Fernando Alonso seemed to be going had, as good as he's ever gone, then had a failure, and Jensen Button seemed to be properly terrified of his car. So that it's, it's just really bizarre situation for McLaren. Um, I also want to take a moment and thank all the people that uh, uh, posted on Facebook and also uh, Twitter with um, the tweets, uh, it was very, very kind to keep in touch with everyone. Keep that insight going. Um, yeah. Also, also on the Facebook page uh, on the previous episode, Craig the Kilt, our good buddy, uh, uh, posted on there, commented, uh, says, "Watching the race again in the main straight stand across from the pits." Now this is from Bahrain. Um, across from the pits was two thirds full. Corner one stand one third full. Most stands look about sixty percent full with with uh, you know them spacing it out to make it look okay. Worrying times for F1. It continues how they, uh, I'm going to censor a little bit, they crap on fan websites. Now don't give a crap about fans going to the races. And uh, I think, you know, that's certainly a, a thread that's been talked about off and on is uh, kind of, is, you know, is Formula One kind of getting too too full of itself for its own good and, and so on. And, uh, you know, there's, I don't know, it's just, it's an ongoing thing that I don't want to get into tonight. But um, it's, you know, definitely doesn't seem like that's the main priority. And even in Spain, uh, you know, it looked like in the main grandstands, it was pretty well well, well filled this time. Um, but there did, did seem to be some thin areas in there as well. So um, it's just one of these ongoing things with ticket prices and everything else that we'll have to see how the newer races, I mean, Russia this year being its second time in Russia, uh, but also the Mexican Grand Prix. Um, I think the Mexican Grand Prix, uh, they've, they've said at least that it's sold out um, pretty much immediately. I have some good friends that are they're going to that and that bought tickets kind of, there was some special pre-sale through uh, Telcel because they're a major sponsor and part of the Carlos Slim empire there. So if you're like a Telcel customer, you can get a pre-sale and apparently everything's all sold out. So, you know, it's weird, but at some of the classic tracks, they're having such a hard time filling stands. And I don't know if the fees and the way that things are, are budgeted are, are such that, you know, there's all these big breaks given for new tracks and the old tracks, they sort of price them out of existence or how it's all working. But it's a, it's a weird balance and definitely something we'll have to keep an eye on. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, but I, you know, for me, I, I think it's a double headed thing. Like one, 
that is a sad thing that fans are going away. But two, we should also monitor um, the health of the sport holistically in terms of marketing sponsors, in terms of team sponsors, and drive by the viability of different drivers coming up and all that because we could also be in this weird place where fans at the track are slowly but surely becoming whale oil. And they're like, gosh, no, TV coverage and uh, media coverage of alternate kinds really is the one and only way that we need to promote this thing, which is such a bizarre thing to even think about this weird future where the drivers are doing this thing and they're completely alone, and yet millions and millions of people are watching over the internet and on television. But I don't know. It's just an interesting thing to witness. Yeah, and I think there are some races like that. I mean, uh, Le Mans is is not a great example because there are lots of people that go to Le Mans, but there are big sections of the track where there's like no fans there, and it's just it's still you know a major event that lots of people are watching, and there's in car cameras and there's cameras around the circuits and helicopters and all that. But you know, there's big sections of the track where there's no people actually there, so it's kind of a different thing. But uh, but anyway, you know, I think I think you know as much as we uh, you know can joke about the sounds of engines and, and electric cars and all the other different things, uh, there is definitely something worthwhile about just going to a race and experiencing the whole spectacle of it in person, and uh, hopefully something that that doesn't go away. Um, so with today's race in Spain, though, um, you know, it was um, we had Nico Rosberg claiming pole position for the first time this year, and uh, you know. I don't remember. Did, did did Hamilton say much about that in the uh, after the after the races or, or after qualifying even about kind of why that was? It seems like he was just like, well, it, uh, I'm not on pole today. Yeah, I, I he seemed to be more uh, understanding that it just didn't go his way this time, and Rosberg was very happy to be on pole, of course. So no, I don't think that Hamilton was begrudged by the situation too much. I think it was a matter of traffic during his first stint in Q3 and the second stint just didn't quite work out. He he maybe made a small error and knew he wasn't going to beat his own better time, so didn't even bother. And I know that Nico, I think, you know, his Q3 time was the quickest, of course, um, in the first session, first half of it, and then he beat himself in the second half to be even faster. So, um and this goes back to uh, what I now I'm I'm trying the term proclamation fajoli. <laughs> You're sticking uh, with that, huh? Yeah, I, that's a fun one for me. Uh, that what Nico needed more than anything was the team to show their support for him and him to really just clear his head. And based on the results, maybe he did exactly that. After qualifying, um, you know, he was just super pleased, and I was I kept thinking, okay, well, Hamilton's going to come around, and uh, on his on his actual lap, um, he's going to go and you know come right to the top, and he just didn't. And then getting into the race, you know, uh, Rosberg got a great start, Hamilton did not, and you sort of again were like, well, yeah, but it's probably going to be not that much longer before Hamilton gets around Vettel, and then it'll be they'll be right back up, it'll be the two Mercedes together, and that's not what happened. You know, I mean, I guess anyone who who's listening now it must know that. Rosberg was able to just really cruise to victory today in Spain and that uh, Hamilton basically just got bogged down behind Vettel for a while, um, then kind of got on the on the back foot with a bad pit stop and trying to get clever with the strategy and then was able to comfortably be second, uh, but was really not ever a threat for first place for Vettel. I mean, or, I mean I, I, against Rosberg, I should say. I'm getting confused. Sure. No, it, Nico Rosberg, reading the post-race press conference again, 
Nico Rosberg was clearly in a different place, but there were still some telling and what I will say worrying things to come out of Rosberg's mouth. Um, first of all, uh, he was at, he's, uh, the question was, well, Nico, first win here in Barcelona and first win of the season. And Nico replied, it was a perfect weekend. Great to be on pole and great to win the race like this. Very, very happy. Also, thanks to the team. The car has been awesome all weekend. Perfect. So, yeah, really great. But one thing that I found was telling. So, Lewis basically blamed his bad start for all the troubles he had with uh, ending up behind Vettel for a while and having to switch to a three-stop strategy to get around Vettel. And... He basically said he had a bad start, too much wheel spin, and Nico cruised off. Um, but then there was a discussion with uh, Nico Rosberg about um, being uh, fighting for the championship. So Nico Rosberg is now firmly second in the Drivers' Championship with 91 points. Lewis Hamilton has 111, 20 points apart. Nico was gained seven points on Lewis. But uh, the question was, to Nico Rosberg, closing in on the points, question mark, kind of like, huh? And Nico said, yeah, of course, seven points. At one point, I thought maybe, who knows, maybe Sebastian can keep Lewis behind, which on the one side isn't good for the team, but in terms of my points, it's always a compromise. For my points, that would have been better, but that's the way it is. Seven points is better than nothing, and a fantastic team result today to be first and second especially after the two-and-a-half-week break. Everybody brought upgrades, but here... Everyone brought upgrades here, but still were dominating in such a way, and that's fantastic to see, and more than at the last race. So there's two points here. First, this was what I was kind of wondering, is, oh, can Mercedes once again pull ahead from everybody? And it seems like they're doing that. And second... You could tell Nico really had to fight himself. He wanted, he was upset that Lewis Hamilton got around Vettel and wasn't third or worse. Yeah, it's <laughs> a little like bit a cheeky deal. to sort of be like, well, yeah, for my own race, obviously I want my teammate to be behind everybody else. It's like, yeah, it would have been great if his tires went flat or something. But, you know, to in, in contrast to some of the very, you know, sort of politically correct team, like, oh, everything's good for the team. And, yeah, to be 1-2 is the perfect result. It's like, well, actually 1-4 would have been better, you know, if... Right. if, it, if Exactly right. And it, I found that fascinating and telling. Nico is still in a very tough position, but to see him on pole and win a race again, it's a good boost for him. And honestly, it's a good boost for us because the closer Nico can push and fight, the more exciting racing we're going to have. Um, the second thing that he brought up is being farther ahead of Ferrari than they were in Bahrain. And I think he's right about that. And I also think that Williams might actually be catching Ferrari a little bit. As you know, Botas split the Ferraris. He finished fourth, Vettel third, Raikkonen fifth. What do you think about that? Yeah, it, I agree. I mean, McLaren, uh, <laughs> McLaren, Mercedes uh, really does seem to have the overall pace advantage. And it seems like it's actually they've taken a step 
uh, farther forward than Ferrari, if, if not Ferrari going a little bit back. I mean, you, you must have heard, uh, you know, Raikkonen wasn't happy with the car setup, so they went back, they, they reverted to his previous aerodynamic setup because they were just sort of floundering around with the, the new one was not working for him. Um, you know, Vettel's car seemed to be uh, fairly well sorted, but then, uh, you know, he just wasn't able to keep up with the Mercedes. Um, but yeah, I think the uh, the Williams did get close. I mean, you know, it's an, an yet another race. I had this thought, you know, we saw Botas in there at the end, uh, you know, uh, putting some pressure on, uh, you know, on Vettel near the end, it was like potentially he could even get up and uh, and get to a podium, um, but you know that didn't that didn't quite happen. But um, you know, but yet again, this is another race where Massa is sort of like maybe even starts strong, but then just just kind of fizzles out or whatever you know whatever is happening. I wasn't following his race too closely because I'm not even sure we saw him on screen at all. But like Massa <laughs> really seems to be winding down in terms of his abilities or his uh, interest levels or something. And uh, he's definitely fast at times, but man, Botas is the guy to watch. And now, of course, there's uh, the rumors about him uh, signing a pre-contract contract for Ferrari, uh, which uh, doesn't sound like the craziest thing in the world to me at all. It seems like he's, uh, you know, clearly looks like a guy with some speed and Ferrari wants that. And, you know, they know Reckoning won't be around forever. So, uh, you know, they wouldn't have to, have to change the flags on the uniforms and stuff. It'd just be like, hey, one fin for another. That's not true. Reckoning will be around forever. I need someone that's older than me in Formula One. <laughs> I need that to be true for a while. Please. Um, right. Yeah. No, I exactly right. And it's fascinating to see. This is exactly what. I was kind of hoping for in the sense that I wanted to see some shakeup in the performance. Now Mercedes pulling a bigger advantage is not the shakeup we were hoping for really, but now that Nico and part of what might've given Mercedes the edge was that Nico is on form better. And if he can really push and he can be in the lead when Hamilton isn't, that's going to translate to Mercedes seeming even stronger than before. I'm not saying Mercedes didn't also get stronger, but Nico's mental health is huge in that equation. And I think you're completely right about Valtteri Botas to be fifth in the Constructors' Championship. Um, Felipe is sixth, but to be uh, within 10 points of Kimi Raikkonen, who's fourth with 52 shows that Williams is not far behind. And then in Constructors' Championship points, Williams is uh, a fair amount behind, but if they, they still have plenty of opportunity to close on Ferraris. And and keeping in mind that, you know, Botas uh, didn't even take part in Australia because of that back problem. So, oh, that's a, yeah, very good. You point. know, to have to have come back from, from, you know, zero points, you know, who knows where, he, that could have been even a podium for him in Australia. I forget where he qualified, fifth or something, but... Um, you know, that's to come back from that kind of a deficit already, uh, you know, pull in front of his teammate and, you know, be contributing to the to the team in such a way, I think shows a really strong performer in Botas. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And uh, since I mentioned Kimi, uh, he has 52 points. He is fourth in the Constructors' Championship. Fair bit behind, more than a race win behind his teammate, Sebastian Vettel, who has 80. But I did, just to remind myself, okay, Five races in, Kimi has 52 points. At the end of the season last year, after 19 races, Kimi had 55 points. Wow. <laughs> so he is he is a what? What would that be? A, a, a eighth place finish away from beating where he was last year? For the entire season, yeah. For and we're still in the, you know, the beginning of the season, really. Yeah. So I guess that's just like a 
hey, Kimi, it's better than last year, even though this wasn't necessarily the result to remember. Um, yeah, for sure. The other, the other really fascinating scenario for me was uh, in qualifying, we saw Carlos Sainz and Max Verstappen in Toro Rosso well up into Q3, performing very, very well. And it seemed like things fizzled out just a little bit here in the race, but it really just, it's just astounding to me to see, like I mentioned before, the Toro Rosso Red Bull battle. It's compelling. It it really is. It's almost, you know, considering it like if you think of it as four cars within the same team, uh, because they are now the only Renault runners, they're all kind of in the same boat of like, you know, we know this, we all know this power unit is not great, but um, we've had some dynamic battles in between them, including the very end of this race today uh, with Kafiat versus Carlos Sainz, was it? Um, with, uh, you know, this, this, this off track, pa- well, his on track pass, but then he had to, had to go off track to maintain the line. And there was going to be some question about that in the end, there was no penalties or no post-race adjustment of scores, which is good. Cause you know, right. uh, neither of us like that, but, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's been a, a good battle, uh, and you know, just a, kind of a good dynamic to watch between, um, you know, the Carlos signs where, uh, or, you know, Carlos signs being not the youngest of the rookies. Um, at 20 or whatever he is now. Um, but uh, Max Verstappen has uh, has really silenced the critics in terms of, oh, too young for F1. I mean, we haven't heard that uh, in several races now. Well, he's um, silenced me, that's for sure. Yeah, well, and that's a hard thing to do. But um, for, <laughs> uh, you know, but to now see, I'm, you know. Now I'm attempted to keep talking and just, <laughs> just interrupt <laughs> you as often as possible. You see if you yeah. can stop me talking. Yeah, well, I, I have the mute switch. So, you know, I have I have a lot of power in this whole arrangement. Fair enough. Carlos Sainz, this is his home race, and this was the first track that he actually had any experience on as well. So this was a chance for him to shine, and in qualifying, he really, really did. And again, for him to end up with two points and beat his teammate, that's that's a strong performance as well. He did end up behind um, Daniel Ricciardo in the uh, senior team in Red Bull, but he was ahead of Daniel Kvyat, as you just mentioned. So uh, he split the Red Bulls, and he did very, very well. And just like you said, Max Verstappen, um, considering everything, performed admirably and is absolutely science critics. Moving down the order just a little bit, though, uh, Felipe Nasser and Marcus Erickson finishing 12th and 14th. It seems like the sober fairy tale might be coming to its conclusion that they just can't keep up development-wise with the bigger budgeted teams, and we're going to see them having a little bit more trouble now. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you, just in qualifying, uh, you know, they it just didn't come together for them for whatever reason. So maybe uh, the other teams, you know, all did take steps forward and they just didn't, or if uh, they, you know, had an off weekend or whatever. But, uh, yeah, definitely the Sauber's uh, falling back relative to the rest of the grid. And, uh, and then, you know, I think one of the most interesting ones, you know, the uh, – the McLarens themselves with these Hondas, um, you know, going so much faster that now the brakes can't keep up. I think they, they, you know, lightened the cars by just taking off about half of the, uh, you know, brake calipers and then that came <laughs> back to bite them. But it was a spectacular failure for Alonzo um, and the way, you know, the, with his pit entry and uh, his mechanics diving out of the way to uh, to avoid getting run over and whatever. That was a, like, just quite a failure. And uh, and then, you know, have to retire that car. And then Jensen Button after the race saying, oh, that it was scary. You know, I don't know what changed because this is the track where everyone does so much testing. You know, that's what's so weird about it is it seems like how can how can it be? 
you know, can the tire dag or brake we wear or anything be a be a surprise to any of the teams based on uh, you know based on this track? But yeah, that's the weird dichotomy of this place. Tons and tons of testing. They know the track better than they know anywhere else. But this is also where they're really pushing a lot of new development, and they're desperately trying to go up in the grid and see what they can bring. Right, so. There's unknowns in the car, even though there's a lot of knowns uh, of the track. And, you know, according to Autosport, uh, Jensen was quoted as saying, the first 30-odd laps were the scariest 30 laps of my life. The rear just wasn't there. Anytime I touched the throttle at any speed, the rear was gone. It just wasn't normal. The rear felt like it wasn't connected to the front. And I've heard Jensen Button say that one time before. And that's when he was a star in a reasonably priced car on Top Gear. And he said, I've never driven a car where the rear isn't attached to the front. Ha, 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 ha. And now he's saying that about the Formula One car, his Formula One car. So that's kind of amazing to me. You know, Jensen was properly stunted by his McLaren. And yet Alonso was running as high as seventh. And then his brakes just fail, like you said. Yeah, and it's crazy times over there. And like you say, maybe it is because they're pushing so much that uh, they're they're pushing the envelope and exceeding the envelope, uh, which seems to be what happened today. But uh, you know, I guess it's I guess I'll say it's good that it's good that they're pushing, uh, just because that's that's how things are going to move forward. But uh, man, it seems like a scary uh, particular place. You know, the scariest laps of his life. That's crazy because Jensen's done a lot of laps in a lot of different things in his life. So, yeah. Um, unless he's uh, unless he's exaggerating, that's uh, really kind of a big claim to what? make. My boy would never exaggerate, ever. Yeah, fair enough. Just like me. I never exaggerate any time ever. Ever. (laughs) All right, well, so uh, as you can probably tell, uh, my voice is not quite up to what it normally is. I'm uh, kind of under the weather here, and I can't talk for a whole lot longer. So if you don't mind, uh, we could actually move on to predictions and uh, and actually wrap this thing up a little bit early tonight. Is that all right with you? I, I begrudgingly accept all right, so predictions have been calculated up to and through the Spanish Grand Prix. Um, so we can see we did have uh, six folks that uh, predicted correctly Rosberg-Rosberg for this weekend. So quick shout-out to Paul Bryant, Gustavo Barrichello, Phil Shaw, Stephen Need, Tim Meekins, and Ian Greenstreet. Well done, folks, for predicting correctly in uh, for the Spanish Grand Prix. Um, of course, we had a few Hamilton-Rosbergs, lots and lots of – actually, a handful of Rosberg-Hamiltons. Uh, well, one weren't Vettel you Rosberg. among the Hamilton Rosbergs? Was I no? I, I, um, what were, and, were you uh, a and then Rosberg? yeah, and then uh, one Vettel Rosberg, uh, and then uh, lots and lots of Hamilton Hamiltons, including you and Damien. So uh, you, Robin, and Damien, and a handful of others, many many others, are tied for twenty eighth place. Um, I, however, uh, went with a bolder prediction of Hamilton for pole and Vettel for the win. Oh, uh, gaining... you did Vettel for the win. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, okay. which, you know, was a good call. So I came 95th in this particular uh, oh, entry with only three points, though. I mean, this was a tight field. Um, Will Carver, with a button-button prediction, uh, got 28 points. Boy, and, uh, just... and then our boy Hugh McDonough, who's always hanging in there with Williams, with a Massa Botas prediction, that's good for 11 points today. Listen, so. Either Will Carver's computer broke, and let's all get together to help him fix it, or he is the bravest man in predictions. That will come good one day. Button will be there. I am, right. I am convinced. 
So overall, now uh, we've we've got still a big tie for first place. Now there are twenty five people with just three points, and uh, so it's it's anybody's race in terms of the predictions race over the course of the season. Here uh, we have lots of folks there uh, who are who are doing well. Um, I am not on page one. Uh, I'm on page two. There, Damien is in thirty sixth place with six points. I'm uh, in thirty eighth with uh, seven points. And uh, and you, sir, did move up a little bit today. Uh, you are oh, actually, no change. But in, no, you're in seventy no third place. Yes. Um, so yeah, good times uh, as always. And uh, for folks that aren't taking, yeah, I, I dropped I dropped one place, and Damien moved up one. Oh, that spreadsheet. Um, <laughs> Never doubt the powers of the spreadsheet, sir. Yeah, really. Well, it's uh, it's doing pretty well. It's in thirty sixth place, and uh, I guess the fact that it's better than both of us is uh, there's something to be said for that. One more, uh, one more shout out to uh, our bold uh, picking one prediction and stick with it for the season. Um, and I apologize for not remembering the name, but uh, you know that was a better prediction than most. With Rosberg on pole, Hamilton to win the race, that would be just one point. So good for them. And and you know it's it was funny because it's been one point for that person for a while, but this time it was one point reversed. <laughs> you know, just not the, not the usual uh, ham-ham uh, situation, but uh, having uh, having Rosberg, Rosberg all the way. So the question, though, is um, what's going to happen for the next race, which is the Monaco Grand Prix? Um, and, of course, Damien, I think, knowing that it's uh, Rosberg's home race and that Rosberg has done well there in the last two years, Damien has made a pretty— Rosberg cheats in qualifying. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so uh, Damien has has gone out on a limb here to say that Rosberg is going to be on pole and Rosberg is going to win. Um, do you agree, sir? I disagree. I'm going to stick with Hamilton Hamilton. I have to say I was tempted to play with this because this is the non-horsepower track, which means we could see a bit of a shakeup. After all, this was where uh, Jules Bianchi scored points for uh, the then Marusha team. And this is where uh, we could see Hondas perform better. This is where McLaren Hondas. This is where we could see other shakeups. Potentially, Red Bull shows uh, some more strength. And we see Daniel Ricciardo just fighting tooth and nail uh, to get to the front. There could be a lot of shakeup here. So I am sticking with Hamilton Hamilton but with the least amount of certainty that I've had all season. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and stick my neck out and say, I think we'll see a McLaren Honda score a point at Monaco. Ooh, all right. Your neck is out, sir. Um, well, you know, because Monaco is, is a great track for a car whose front is not connected to its back and also a car with no brakes. So right, I think it, that's it a, articulates and helps get around the tight corners better. Yeah, it's great for, you know, the uh, casino hairpin. Um, all right, I am thinking that Lewis Hamilton will be back on top for pole position, but that Nico Rosberg will come through for the race. That's my Ooh, my thinking. I'm actually going to do a Mercedes up. That's uh, that's impressive, sir. Yeah. So uh, for uh, yeah, so I'm Ham. I'm Ham Ross. You're Ham Ham, and Damien is Ross Ross, as uh, as the case may be. So um, if you haven't t- been taking part in predictions, there's no time like the present to uh, to do so. 
please visit funwithcars.com. You can see a link to the Facebook page and actually in the show notes for every episode. Um, you may or may not realize if you hit sometimes a little info tab or some a little button or something on your podcast client, there are show notes that we put in there with links and everything. And there's also links to the predictions app right in those notes as well. So um, if you're if you're listening along now on an iPod or something and uh, want to check out the show notes later, you can always go to funwithcars.com slash the episode number, in this case, 178. And that will bring you to the uh, all the podcast notes and that, and there will be a link to there as well. Also, on the website, you can comment on the podcast directly. Uh, you can see links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed. And uh, you can send us email all the time to feedback at funwithcars.com. And lastly, if uh, you enjoy the show, uh, we always appreciate uh, you letting a friend know and uh, tuning someone else into the show. And also you can uh, let a bunch of friends know by rating review for us on iTunes or rating there. And that's really helpful for us as well. Yes. And uh, I'd like to uh, reiterate that if you jump onto predictions now, it might seem like you're a little bit behind. But I think there's still a very good chance that you'll be able to perform better than Will Carver. Although, (laughs) respect to Will for sticking with button button, I have to say. Uh, yes, please do all the things Jim said. If you can, that would be lovely. And until that time, until the Monaco Grand Prix, the grand jewel, the pinnacle of Formula One, I'm Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau. Take care, everyone.